Hello, all there in podcast land. This is Dino coming in from that deep, swampy area called my life. Sit back, relax, and let me tell you a story about why alcohol and a train don't actually mix. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine graduated from college. He got accepted into a, uh, a residency up in Seattle, Washington. After a couple weeks, they accepted him full-time, and he wanted me to go celebrate with him. But at the time, I didn't have a car. And at the time, there wasn't a lot of airports where we lived. It's kind of a backward country area. Well, there was a train that ran from Southern California all the way up to the Canadian border. My friend sent me the money for the ticket, and I got on the train, deeply enjoyed it. I liked the idea of traveling on the train, never done it before. I was always enthusiastic about going on trains ever since I saw my first Western. And surprisingly enough, I had a great time. About 12 hours into my trip, I got a little hungry, so I went out to the dining car. And as I was sitting there, I saw a young lady sitting at the bar she was taking out change and trying to make money and I told her is there something I could help her with and she said that she just wanted to get a sandwich and a drink I offered to pay for it she accepted and I even allowed her to sit at my table we spoke for at least two hours and I thought everything was going extremely well she had told me that she was going to Seattle as well I told her I was going there to visit a friend for a couple days. Maybe we could meet and she could show me around. Her response at that moment wasn't that great. She simply rolled her eyes at me, which was a sudden change because we had made eye contact through the entire conversation. And she was asking me a bunch of questions about why I was going there, who was I going with, and so on. But when I asked her if we could meet in Seattle, she just rolled her eyes and said to me, and I'll never forget this, with you? She picked up the light pieces of her sandwich and her drink and walked out of the dining cart. The uh, bartender, who wasn't too far away, uh, came behind the counter, gave me a shot of whiskey, and told me that was on the house. I thanked him for it, drank the whiskey extremely fast, and tried to finish enjoying my meal. Before I headed to my cart, uh, the, the bartender had told me that if I had kept going up this in the other direction towards the motor cart, there was a display cart where you could sit down and there was a glass window where you can see the scenery passing by. I thought, why not? I needed something to pick up my spirits. At the time, the internet wasn't really available to everybody, so you try to make your entertainment as best you can. So I asked the bartender to give me a shot and a beer and made my way to the display cart. When I got there, the bartender wasn't wrong. It was a really nice area. It was trees and the ocean, and I could feel the sun 
being in California, where we live, we're always in the shadows of the mountains. And every day, that cloudy sky is nothing more than smog disguised. Well, first of all, I'll need to tell you that I'm not a very good drinker. I'm extremely lightweight. Just to give you an idea on how badly I do with alcohol, I once got really drunk on cough syrup, and it wasn't intentional. But I do remember telling everybody in my household that I loved them. They suggested I go back to my room and put pants on. Well, before I knew it, I was so relaxed and so mellow, I fell asleep. I'm not sure how long I was sitting in that chair, but I remember uh, one of the conductors coming up to me and poking me in the shoulder. I woke up with a massive hangover. It felt like someone had split my skull with a rusty axe while simultaneously kicking me in the privates. And the sunlight, which I had been enjoying, turned into mace into my eyes. It took me a few seconds just to gain the ability to see again, and I noticed this small, squat little conductor. He seemed like a small, friendly person, and he had told me, uh, can, I have, can I see your ticket? I told him, oh, here. I pulled it out of my chest pocket and handed it to him. Once I handed it to him, he started to make little notches on it with his little hole punch. But after a few seconds, the smile that was on his face started to slip away and was replaced with a huge frown and a wide-eyed expression of panic. I asked him, what's going on? Is everything okay? And he looked up at me and he said, do you know this ticket is only for you to go to Seattle? And I said, yes, I understand that. He goes, we passed Seattle four hours ago. And I asked him, well, where are we now? He, with, this, with a very monotone voice and this non-emotionless face, he said to me, you're in Canada and that I would need to pay the additional fee for the ticket from Seattle to where I was now in Canada. But the problem just doesn't end there. Once we had reached the stop, it was brought to my attention that everybody who had gone on the train, once they received the Canadian border, needed to present themselves for inspection, both coming into the United States and going out to the United States. But that didn't happen to me because I'd fallen asleep in the display cart. When I tried to explain to the officials in Canada that I was not trying to sneak into Canada, and the fact that I would need help paying for the ticket back into the United States. They had told me that there was no more trains where I had 
where I had stopped, which from what I understand was a place in the uh, Northern Territory called uh, Junction City. That the nearest train station that would be going back into the United States was at another station, which was about, about two hours away just by driving. And I didn't have a car. And very little money. If you haven't been to Canada in the months of January, I'm going to give you a little secret. It rains a lot. And when you don't have boots or a jacket, you're going to get wet. A lot. But my friend who lived in Seattle uh, wired me some money which and bought me another ticket. When I explained to him over the phone what had happened, he could not stop laughing. The only thing he could tell me is, of all the people this would happen to, I'm not really shocked that it happened to you. Well, once I got back to the, the U.S.-Canadian border, I was trying to explain to the U.S. Customs Service that I did not sneak into Canada and was not trying to sneak back into the United States. I had simply gotten drunk, missed my spot, and sort of rolled into Canada. Now, if you're wondering if people in the custom or border guards have a sense of humor, they, they don't. They don't. And when I tried to explain to them what had happened, uh, just to give you an idea, they will go through all your possessions. And, and I mean that very, very physically. I don't think I've ever had anybody look that deep into me. And that's as far as the explanation I'm going to use. When I got back into the United States, the my friend had come down to near where the, the train had met the Canadian border to pick me up. On our way back to Seattle, I remember sitting there drenched, covered in sweat, soaked all the way to the bone and feeling very, very violated. And the entire trip, my friend sat there on the driver's side, turning bright purple and trying not to laugh. To this day, every year on my birthday, he sends me a small Thomas the Engine birthday card. He doesn't write anything in it, but I get the message. Well, I hope you enjoyed the story. Hope to hear from you guys soon. You all take care.